Jay Boyar of the Orlando Sentinel says this film star is so polished and resourceful that he can glide his way through even the creakiest bits and make them seem fresh. Dave Kerr of the Chicago Tribune says it's a beautifully proportioned, wonderfully complete movie. And TV Guide calls it the funniest, savviest political comedy to come our way in some time. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Dave. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Hail to the Starfighters. Hey. That's different. It's episode 101. But, you know, this is our first, this is also our first episode of our little President's Month here. Yeah. We have a new president in this country. (laughs) And so we are celebrating with uh, four weeks of president movies, fictional president movies, not like historical, accurate fictional uh, not non-fictional what? presidential movies we're not doing lincoln i mean we haven't discussed it but i'd rather not no i don't know how it. you can really reboot that guy although they had to do like uh abraham, abraham lincoln, lincoln vampire, vampire hunter yeah yeah, yeah. So there, which there we, we are it. not which spoiler alert we will not be doing but anyway greetings not star fighters <laughs> i feel like i need to yeah. say that anyway and though this is episode 101 if this is your entry-level course to our podcast, then uh, this is where Dan and I, we are brothers, hello, uh, yes. we talk about these cult and classic movies, movies that we love from our pasts, and I don't know, just kind of like break them down and then figure out how we can maybe bring them back nowadays as a sequel, a prequel, a reboot, a remake, a stage adaptation. A of, Netflix series. A, anything. I mean... Just something. It's, I think that we have been seeing uh, a nice crop of original stories coming out of Hollywood in the past couple of years. Um, well, and also not out of Hollywood because I'm thinking of Parasite among them, but I'm also thinking of Jojo Rabbit. Right. And yeah. um, this year, movies like The 40 Year Old Version and uh, Five Bloods and, you know, The 40 Year Old Version edited by my buddy Rob Wilson. Hey, Rob Wilson, shout out. Shout out. So, um, but there's still, you know, one of the last movies to have a wide release theatrically before uh, COVID hit and shut down movie theaters was Bad Boys for Life, the third part of a franchise that started 25 years ago, over 25 years right. ago. Yeah. Um, and- and you know there we've we there's a lot of retreads and some of them are great cobra kai on netflix is an example of reviving a a franchise a beloved property and create building something new from it creating something new uh that that doesn't tarnish the legacy but adds to the legacy cobra kai is really fascinating because I watch it and I'm just like, oh, this is so like tacky and schlocky. 
but I can't stop watching it. Yeah. And like so and the jokes are so bad and lame that I can't <laughs> stop watching it. Yeah, you know, I'm I am woefully behind. I use it as an example, but I am I am woefully behind on it. Uh but I just I remember when the first few episodes were out and I just thought I'm like, wow, this is something different. This is something yeah you know entirely new and and great on the and on the other hand you know you, you've got um movies uh like uh dirty rotten scoundrels becoming musicals that are well renowned in their own right um and, and that one also has a a remake with Rebel a, a, Wilson a, and Anne Hathaway a remake yes correct and um you know on top of that there's there's so many other we have characters who get who get spin-offs i'm thinking of uh the the, te- the two television series one that that has already passed and one that is debuting soon but hannibal and clarice yeah that's right uh taken from the uh you know not just the movies but the the Thomas Harris novels but the movies were really sure. what made them popular and i mean hannibal is a really good series i I watched the first couple of seasons it was pretty great i i slipped off after a little while but not for any good reason mods mickelson is oh tremendous just just the bee's knees uh yeah yeah so so i have a few more things that i wanted to talk about with better off dead if you would give me the floor for a minute thank you for reminding me yeah i have something as well but go for it so we were talking about how, well, you were questioning if there were any modern day high school comedies that have been out uh, that slip into the same vibe as Better Off Dead, something a little bit wackier, more surreal. Um, and we totally forgot about Booksmart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Booksmart actually, I feel like, takes a lot of cues from Better Off Dead. There's an entire segment where they're animated like Barbie dolls when they take drugs or exit drugs, I should say, by Billy Lord's character. And uh, yeah, you know, and it's it probably has just as many scenes in the school as Better Off Dead did. It also has a teacher and a student dating a little bit yeah 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 um yeah book smart so better off dead i think definitely goes further into the surreal book smart absolutely book smart though like it nails it in terms of it exaggerates high school to the level where you can laugh at what's going on but not any farther than it needs to be to to be a pretty you know believable portrayal of of what of what goes on. It's a wonderful movie. I yeah. I love it. It's great. Highly recommend it. Oh wow. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. I just haven't thought about that movie in a while. And what a good one. What yeah. a good one. Uh another thing that I was thinking about is uh I wonder if Better Off Dead influenced the uh, television show The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I uh, you know, you have the suburban family with like kind of a normal-ish dad like a put upon dad and like a wacky space cadet mom. She's got like a plate in her head and you know, it's like the exaggerated antics of, mm-hmm. you know, childhood going into high school. And I, uh, I don't know. There, there just seems to be a lot of 
you know, it's a, a similar sensibility in terms of the style of humor. And to to your point, um, you could you could say the same thing for Malcolm in the Middle as being a true, yeah, exaggerated I never really watched portrayal. Malcolm in the Middle. I remember I I was not a like a religious watcher of it, but I remember I was doing a theater tour and my roommate liked it, so I watched it with him and. Uh, that was how I knew who Brian Cranston was. Yeah. And Brian Cranston, mm-hmm. uh, Jane Kaczmarek played uh, the mother in that. I'm pretty sure she she's really that. good. Uh, yeah. She's wonderful. And B- Brian Cranston played the father in it. And like, I, I thought he was Emmy worthy just from that. And then came Breaking Bad. So who could have seen that coming from, from that performance? I know that he has done right. lots of other stuff like X-Files and things like that before, but going from, uh, yeah. Yeah, going from no, one to that, the other. That's a that's a good point. Um, but yeah, like Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete is more, I think, further into the surreal. It's closer to the Better Off Dead. Sure. Yeah. With you the definitely ba- have I'm thinking the, of the adult the way that the kids see the adult characters. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking of like the Iggy. I think was it Iggy Pop like Iggy Plop. Iggy Plop. <laughs> Iggy Plop. <laughs> Iggy Pop played. Uh, oh, I hope not. Nona's <laughs> Michelle Trachtenberg's father. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um. And the, Michael like, Stipe yeah, they, was like the. Was well, he the ice cream man? Uh, or he was the ice cream was... man. He always wore a like the soft serve head. So it, I don't remember. Oh, I think you did see him at one point. With the head off. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, again, another show I didn't really watch much of. Uh, I saw a little bit of the season filmed in, in our hometown of Cranford. Yeah. That's yes. right. Um, my one, my one more thing for Better Off Dead was just that I wonder if they ever considered calling it Life After Beth. Oh. And Isn't that the, uh, that movie that was with, um, Aubrey Plaza and was it like Nicholas Holt? Oh, no, maybe I'm mixing no. a couple other ones up. I think that Aubrey Plaza is in one called Life After Beth. That's yeah, a, the, um, a high school zombie movie. But there's another. Uh, oh, Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies? Yeah. Wh- oh, Warm warm Bodies. Yeah. That's the Nicholas Holt one. So I'm putting him into the, this Life After Beth. Pretty sure that's a movie with Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Uh, Aubrey Plaza, like zo- Dane DeHaan, John C. Riley. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, Oh, Molly Shannon is in that too. Molly Shannon's great. I love it when she shows up and stuff. Oh yeah, well yeah, that was why I, that could not go unmentioned. Molly Shannon is is magnificent. I love her as. I I think my favorite Molly Shannon performance will always be Wet Hot American Summer. Oh my god, the arts and crafts teacher who's going through a divorce. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah, and then there's another teacher student like connection there because the kid right. Who, uh, that, also that, a very surreal, hilarious. another surreal uh, children's movie. <laughs> not really a children's movie, but no, featuring children. Yeah, not yeah, not at all. Um, but yeah, great, great movies all. Um, and I think before we before we get into the our our business of the day, um, we we've got a few. We've got to pour a few out. Got to pour a few out. I. Uh, Cloris Leachman, big Cloris time Leachman. pour one out. Man, what an incredible <sighs> talent. We were so lucky to have her, to to yeah. to see her in so many amazing things. She oh, she made everything better. And so and I I I am I'm 
you know, not just he, he's not the only one to observe this, but um, a tweet by Paul Rust uh, referencing how she could just her her range was so incredible that she could go within a few years from uh, giving her performance in the last picture show, which is just so touching right. and he, like just real and human. And then Frau Blücher in <laughs> Young Frankenstein. Yeah, <laughs> he was my boyfriend. I mean, you know, because that's like, you know, everyone's posting that the past few days. But yeah. Um, yeah. And she also like in the movie Beer Fest, she, oh. you know, totally kills it. She just totally absolutely is very much herself yes. in that movie playing the uh, I, I can't even say it. The great. Like, She's yeah, she's like the grandmother, but she definitely has a very lurid past. A former prostitute. (laughs) Yes. uh, Her her sexual history knows no bounds. And man, it's been 15 years since that one. We can we can throw a few spoilers out there. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's not even that much of a spoiler. Um, No, no, no. no. um, We would be remiss if we did not pour one out for Cicely Tyson. Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw that a, one and I was just like, oh, but then it's like, I, I mean, the the people that have passed away in the past week, I'm glad to know that they lived very full, long lives. Yes. Yes. All of them. And I mean, our third is uh, someone who cameos in our, our movie yeah, today. Yeah. Larry King. Larry King. The yes. Larry and King. these are all, I mean, people who live, you know, Cicely Tyson and Cloris Leachman lived well into their 90s. And Larry King was, what, 87? 87. And yeah. they, they did not stop. These no. were not. Cicely Tyson was giving interviews two days before. Right. And, I mean, Cloris Leachman w- was working, uh, um, you know, as recently, within the past few years. Sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and Larry King still had his, I, f- I forget where his show was, was airing. He had his but, own network. Uh, um, I just like Larry King network. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, look it, it, on Larry, Larry King now. So he was ho- hosting his show, Larry King now. And, um, yeah, he, he cameoed in many or a TV. Aura TV, okay. So yeah, Aura TV, and uh, yeah, and it's like his interviews were iconic. I uh, the the clips well, that people have been sharing. What? The uh, the, the Danny Pudi interview. Oh, Larry, I'm on Ducktales. I'm on Ducktales. Like, like, so what good. about a private plane? A yeah, private. <laughs> it's a, it's amazing. Like, oh, it's incredible. And yeah. I, you know what? I'm I'm actually just. To to get us into talking about the movie that we're going to focus on, uh, I'm going to play his clip from this movie, uh, 1993's Dave. If you look at a photograph of Bill Mitchell taken before the stroke and one right after, what? you will see distinct differences. I, I, are you saying this is a conspiracy? Yes, I am saying this is a conspiracy. Do you think you're a little paranoid, Oliver? No. Have you compared the photographs? Oliver. Larry? Oliver. So that's uh, him talking with Oliver Stone, who uh, is the seemingly the only person to figure out that they are not the same person. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, not this movie comes out in in late spring 1993, about a year and a half after JFK is is released. So it's still very fresh in right 
in in everyone's minds. Uh, yeah. And, I think but that yes, Oliver Stone's the, the only Oliver, one who figures it out. <laughs> having the Oliver Stone cameo as the the crazy conspiracy theorist who's, you know, unlocking this weird thing like that's just too perfect and I'm so glad that he was on board and so, you know, self-aware to know that like, oh, everybody knows me as the conspiracy theory guy, like the presidential conspiracy theory guy. <laughs> let's let's uh exploit this. I have to say for it so I wish I still had this book. I I have no idea what happened to it, but I had at one point a published version of Oliver Stone's screenplay for JFK mm. and it had all of his research. It was annotated oh, cool. and had all an appendix with like all of the research and I don't, I don't, I think I must have like lent it to some, as we do with books, uh, lent it. And so I'm, I'm curious and perhaps this will come back. Should we ever do natural born killers? But was there anything in there about Woody Harrelson's father? Oh, Charles Harrelson. Um, Yeah. No, curious to know if that ever became, uh, uh, you know, something that ended up in the, in the margins of this, of his screenplay. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm only vaguely familiar with that. Um, we'll talk about it. Should we do, uh, natural born killers? I feel like that's the appropriate place to talk about such a thing, but, uh, we're not talking about that today. There is a podcast series called son of a Hitman That's all about Charles Harrelson, who was an, a hitman. He is Woody Harrelson's father and he is a proven hitman who, Mm -hmm. uh, went to prison for, uh, involvement with the murder of a federal judge and has, and he has spoken about being involved with the JFK assassination. And there's this, um, these photos there, there are these three guys. I forget exactly what they called them, like the hobos or something like that. Oh yeah. 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 And he is maybe one of them. So yeah. I, yeah. I mean, JFK is one of my favorite films. So, um, yeah, no, that must have been in in the research, and I have not had that book in a long time. But Son of a and, Hitman is yeah, a really fascinating yeah. uh, listen if anybody's looking for a uh, a podcast series to listen to that isn't ours. I wouldn't recommend yes. it, but if I had to, I would recommend that one. Yes, that New Jersey is the world. Uh, right, the new Chris Gethard podcast yeah. series all about New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I've you know living in Seattle. Um, which is a different planet, um, than like, you know, New Jersey in the New York suburbs. Um, I, I've, I've recommended it to my colleagues, especially the people who work closely with me and said, Uh this could help you better understand. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, let's talk about Dave some more. Let's talk about let's, Dave, baby. Let's talk <laughs> so, about. So uh, I'm go just going to give a little synopsis. Um, for but 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 first, I want to uh, address. This is a film directed by Ivan Reitman. Right after like a string of just like knockout movie after knockout movie, Legal Eagles, take it or leave it. But uh, I think the other ones all really speak. What? What what was it? Was Kindergarten Cop the last one before Dave? I think or so. Did he have another one? 
Because it was like it was like Ghostbusters two and then Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, I'm gonna pull up the act like his full filmography and uh, mm. just kind of like read them off, starting with like Meatballs. But yeah, so we had Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Legal Eagles, Twins, Ghostbusters two, Kindergarten Cop, then Dave, and then after Dave is Junior and Father's Day. Like he just was knocking them out of the park, and he definitely has like the right sensibility for a movie like this and it and it shows that he was just so the right person for the job and um this was uh written by gary ross who later went on to actually become a director um he directed he wrote and directed pleasantville sea biscuit um oceans eight which i'm quite fond of i watched it just a few weeks ago so good and, yeah, uh, Ocean's Eight is fantastic. Yeah, so he's a great writer. He uh, got he also nominated. Wrote big. I think, yes, he got I nominated think, for this for best yeah. screenplay. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, here's our uh, quality here's, pedigree here. Yeah, here's our uh, little synopsis. Dave Kovic is a really solid dude. He runs a temp agency that thrives largely due to his friendships and high spirits. He has a really sweet Washington, D.C. brownstone, and he bears a striking resemblance to the current commander-in-chief, which he exploits to make a few extra bucks as a look-alike. When the actual president, Bill Mitchell, is in need of a clone so he can have a secret affair with a White House staffer, the Secret Service hires Dave to make a brief appearance, leaving a function at a hotel ballroom. But when President Mitchell suffers a terrible stroke mid-coitus, his chief of staff, Bob Alexander, hatches a secret plan to have Dave pose as the president while Bob works to discredit the vice president so that he can take over as the head honcho of the USA. With Dave on board, Bob and press secretary Alan Reed work to link Vice President Nance to a savings and loan scandal. Meanwhile, Dave is performing better than expected. He not only wows the public, but also the first lady, Ellen Mitchell, who hates her husband due to his philandering. But when Dave manages to find $650 million in the budget to save programs for the homeless, Ellen realizes that things have become too good to be true and demands that Dave tell her where her actual husband is. They both decide to leave the White House, but end up changing their minds after an evening together where Dave realizes he can do more good as President Mitchell, at least for a little while. After firing Bob Alexander, Dave and Ellen team up with Alan Reed to make things right and insert VP Nance into the Oval Office, especially after Bob preps for his run for president by proving that President Mitchell is also guilty of taking part in the savings and loan scandal. Dave manages to successfully right all wrongs by collapsing in front of a joint session at the Capitol so that he can swap bodies with President Mitchell, creating a path for VP Nance to get sworn in as the 45th president of the United States. Vice President Gary Nance was officially sworn in today as the 45th president of the United States. Imagine VP Nance becoming the the 45th president instead of the 45th president we actually had. And and VP and Nance in this is ben so Kingsley. Yeah, he's so I mean it's almost like like he's not Biden, but it, he's just this really likable. 
Yeah. Uh, Mellow I'm, guy. I'm going to go through a cast list, but first I'm just going to play the scene where Dave is having a, a, a real sit down with VP Nance, who's played by Ben Kingsley. Uh, and we really get to know him and see him as like this really decent person. You ever um, <clears throat> think back to how you got started? Uh, <laughs> I was a shoe salesman. Not very happy about it. One day, my wife says to me, why don't you try running for office? You know, you talk about it all the time. Why don't you just go do it? So I tell my boss, I have a dentist appointment, and I go down to the registrar of voters on my lunch break. Next thing I know, I'm a councilman. My wife was my campaign manager. We had a budget of $2,000 with advertising. Yeah, so just a real salt-of-the-earth guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a shoe salesman. Yeah. So uh, Kevin Klein is Dave and President Bill Mitchell. Sigourney Weaver uh, teaming up with Ivan Reitman again after her Ghostbusters films as uh, Ellen Mitchell, first lady. Frank Langella is Bob Alexander. And oh, he's so good. He's so good at playing the guy you just love to hate. Uh, Kevin Dunn is Alan Reed, uh, who will later return to the White House in Veep. (laughs) Uh, He's so good in Veep. So good. He's so good in this too. Very different character. Big fan of Kevin Dunn for a Kevin long Dunn's time. Kevin Dunn's great. Ving Rames plays Dwayne Stevenson, the Secret Service agent who's uh, um, there to protect Dave slash President Mitchell. Um, ben Kingsley is is VP Nance. Charles Gordon plays Murray Blum, the accountant who's best friends with Dave, who Dave sends all of his potential temps to at his temp agency. And, oh, man, he's just like... So exhausted looking all the time. <laughs> you know what I, if, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, and I'll, I'll just go down a few more. Uh, Laura yeah, Linney yeah. plays uh, Randy, who's the woman that uh, Bill Mitchell's having the affair with. She is his uh, executive assistant or whatever. She's the first desk outside of the Oval Office. Um, we have Bonnie Hunt as a White House tour guide. Uh, Stephen Root is in there. Like it's it's a really mm-hmm. solid, very '90s cast. Yes, yeah. It's <laughs> it's almost like if you knew nothing about it, but you knew like who popped up in movies around this time, you could probably guess about half the. Except, right. um, what what I was thinking was about you know specifically with Ben Kingsley and Charles Grodin, it kind of feels like they're playing against type, and of course they're tremendous actors with wonderful range, but like Charles Grodin, except for like Beethoven, I guess isn't like doesn't usually he's he's usually like i don't want to say a smarter because he's very smart in this i mean he he fixes the budget or he helps fix the well, budget i mean bill uh sorry dave is, is the one that actually fixes the budget well, because uh murray takes a look at them and he just gets all frazzled by the books and then dave is like hmm. you know let me take a look at it and that's when yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not like he's, you know, in, in Midnight Run where he's like the mastermind accountant stealing money from the mob. <laughs> right. I mean, even in Midnight Run, though, he's still 
has that kind of put upon attitude uh, to I, a lesser, have, to a much lesser extent. He's kind of always got something going because he's always plotting his escapes. Anyway, I, we've we've talked I love about him Midnight, Midnight Run. Run. I uh, I mean, look, uh, anyone who needs to know how much we love Midnight Run can check out the archives. Yeah. Um, like I would do a whole other episode on Midnight Run. Yeah. But and then Ben <laughs> Ben Kingsley. I mean, Ben Kingsley has just played. I mean, he was. Gandhi and then like yeah. Sexy Beast and uh, you know Iron Man 3. And, he's so you know, good just, in Iron Man 3. You just start and he's so but he's not someone who uh, you know he's just very not timid but reserved yeah. and quiet and well, I guess he's barely I, in this movie too. Oh yeah 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 but it, it, it's so nice to, to see it, it's just they're they're great actors and it, and it, it's a very feel good 90s it has the feel good 90s movie music like oh it most certainly does which you would have heard when i was doing the synopsis i uh, i i love the score by the way i think it's a really kind of perfect it's it's so very 90s but <laughs> i i feel like the score kind of is perfect it's james newton howard is the uh the composer for that one. And another thing that I thought of while watching it was um, I, I need to go back and review Kevin Klein's filmography to see how many movies feature him like jauntily riding his bike around town. Because I always think of in and out Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> totally. The, and that posture, that Kevin Klein riding a bike posture to that music. That... Kevin Klein is wonderful in this. Um, some of the other actors who came up for this one, uh, I think Warren Beatty was in, ta- mm-hmm. in talks with them. But then, because I think that this actually was written like in the 80, later 80s. And then after Dick Tracy, the Warren Beatty conversation kind of came to a, a bit of a halt. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, Warren Beatty was considered Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner, which I'm so glad that that didn't happen. Oh yeah, and you know, um, I, um, Gary Ross. I'm I'm reading this on Wikipedia here. Um, he was Gary Ross worked on the Dukakis campaign, and mm-hmm. that's when he wrote the script. That's so fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And, and this movie was very well liked by Bill Clinton, Barack Obama. I uh, it's it's a fan amongst solid dude presidents it, it it has yeah it has its, it, its fans and certain other presidents probably just wouldn't get it they, yeah what, and wait they're not the same person and now what? you also have to remember that this came out before president clinton's scandal yes uh, a good five years before. a good five years and uh, i i mean but but there was still like all right so president but but president clinton did when he came into office, have that reputation. He did already have the the reputation of being uh, a, a bit of a womanizer. Well, and... so what? So, right. So mm-hmm. all I'm saying is that I, you know, Bill Clinton was, you know, probably the, was the first president. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, to actually like get into real i mean as, uh, impeachment aside and the lying and everything aside but like a presidential affair becoming like huge news that would you know really break a presidency well I, we've learned now that that doesn't really matter anymore but uh 
you know, well, the when problem it, is Clinton with, didn't pay anybody off. Um, yeah. Well, with, you know, <laughs> JFK and all the other past presidents who have had affairs, you know, you just didn't really find well, out about those things or it was kind of like poorly kept secrets and it what didn't really come out the way that, you know, they would have come out this time where he needed to cable have, news. What's that? Cable news. Cable news. Absolutely. The 24 hour news cycle. The 24-hour news cycle mm -hmm. and the kind of uh, almost privatization of of news where you could have a, um, a, a news network that's owned by a company. And I mean, okay, I'm implying Fox News. Yeah, it's not Fox News is not the only one. CNN falls under the same category, MSNBC, um, you know, so... But you have these news channels that could, that were kind of like, okay, well, we've got like, let's find the dirt on this president. And yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that, but also, but Dave also comes about at, at the beginning of, of that. And, you know, Bill Mitchell doesn't, you know, even though he's having this affair, he, that his character doesn't have that reputation per se and i mean no. i guess with his wife he kind of does but yeah um, but the, you know that's why he hires doubles so that people don't catch oh, on i wanted i'm sorry I, if i can come back for a moment to actors that were considered mm -hmm. for the role one name that i was surprised to not see robin williams really? i i felt like if there was any other actor who i could see in um, in that role, uh huh. I was thinking, I was like, you know, Robin Williams would have done would would have done a really nice job with that role. I think a Robin Williams that is kind of honed, focused, directed, um, but especially in that like late eighties, early nineties. I mean, this is the same year as Mrs. Doubtfire. So, but I also wonder if the audience perception of seeing him playing a, you know, I'm thinking about the Bill Mitchell character playing a douchey president. I wonder if that would have played at that point in his career as well as it did with Kevin Klein, who's had such a, you know, range of roles. I mean, I I feel like there's always the uh, the joke going around that like if Kevin Klein's character has a mustache, he's evil Kevin <laughs> Klein, and then if he doesn't, he's good Kevin <laughs> Klein. Um, but you know he does have like that type of range where he can play these two characters believably as both of them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I'm trying to think other than a fish called Wanda, um, off the top of my head having trouble thinking of Kevin Klein roles where he's really like, you know, uh, I mean, I see, I, I see what you're saying. Um, whereas Robin Williams really hadn't played that yet yet. Well, yeah, I I'm, yeah, I just, I don't know that it would have been that much of a stretch and it's also such a small part of the movie. Like most of the movie is him being a really good guy. And also you do introduce the character of Dave. Is, uh, he, he comes in before you, Bill Mitchell or no, Bill Mitchell comes in first. And uh -huh. uh, that's when we have 
the scene where he's getting briefed about the um, the appearance at the Monroe Hotel. You've got that radio address to go over and the legal counsel speech at the Monroe tomorrow night. The Monroe. Welcome home, Mr. President. Yes, sir, the Monroe Hotel. Have you got someone to double for me there out front? We're working on it, sir. Good, good. Try to find someone that looks like me this time, will you? That last guy was a joke. Yeah, and then from there, you you go straight into the scene where we first meet Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. here he is, the President of the United States. <laughs> Welcome to Durenbergers, Mr. President. Thank you, one and all. Let me just say, from one chief executive to another, that there is no Chevrolet like Durenbergers Community Chevrolet. Thank you, Mr. President. Mom, that's not the president, is it? I sure hope not. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't think that Robin Williams would have been a better choice than You're surprised Kevin that Klein. he didn't come. I mean, it's possible that he was asked. I mean, I'm like, Kevin Costner? Uh, uh, like, yeah. That, Kevin Costner, all right, Kevin Costner, I'm sorry, does, I, I have never seen that range from kevin costner kevin costner is kevin costner i think is good at kevin costner things like bull durham field of dreams yeah baseball movies baseball movies yeah yeah but then for love of the game uh, um jfk yeah, JFK. There you okay, there you go. That's the rain. But th- I mean, that was kind of it. Like that was Kevin Costner's yeah. range. Uh so uh, so other than Ke- but what Kevin what Kevin Klein also brings to it is for some reason when you think about like the 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 level of stardom and like Kevin Klein, you know, I would I would consider a list and certainly would have considered a list then, but he did not, his star power was not like if they were, you know, stocks, you know, um, Robin Williams would have been GameStop this past week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so where, whereas, you know, or, you know, Kevin Klein is more of that, like, utility player and not i don't want to that sounds dismissive but like um he he had more of that chameleonic quality yeah so i think that he was the better choice because when he's bill mitchell he's he's sleazy and yeah, that's, that's the thing is i i think that uh the quality that kevin klein has is like He's not, he's perfectly in the middle where you don't know him as being any of the extremes that he can do. You know him as being the center and uh, it's a very comfortable center and Mm. he can, he can go off into those different paths really easily. Whereas Robin Williams, you think of him first as being this one extreme and then uh, of course he can come back to that center, but it's just not what you think about. 
And I wonder though, if he had done, if, if in an alternate universe, Robin Williams had starred in Dave, I wonder if that actually would have shown his range more, more so than other. And I'm not saying like he didn't show range. He had done dead poet society and awakenings, but like to, I wonder if he, if that would have been an opportunity for him to show both in one movie. And you know what, to, to an extent, I think Fisher King, he really, he kind of, um, was able to show more of a more range within one performance. So, um, but yeah, like I, I just, I can't think of anyone else who would have been a good close number two. I mean, apparently like one of the Warner brothers executives wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That would have raised some uh, eyebrows for sure. I mean, I love my Arnold and they certainly found their way to get him in there. I mean, there's this whole montage of, of, uh, Dave being this great lovable president and, uh, you know, in this montage, you see him at this thing with a bunch of kids for, like, eating healthy. Let's talk a little bit about desserts. What you don't want to do is eat donuts. No donuts. <laughs> Thank you, Arnold. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he's just kind of being silly with Arnold Schwarzenegger and... Yeah, I mean, Kevin Klein just, he fits so well into all of these scenarios that they put him in. Uh, yes. Yeah, he's really, really fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't know, Dan. Well, uh, uh, hold on here because we're praising, you know, singing the praises of, of Kevin Klein here, and we can't sing praises without singing the praises of Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah. Who it was my first thought. I don't know about yours, but like the first time when she comes in and is like just doesn't want anything to do with him, I was like Melania energy. <laughs> That's like. <laughs> don't you have anything to say to me? Thank you for doing this, Ellen. You don't change, do you, Bill? He hates me. Yes. Yes. So I I fully agree with you, and I'm glad that you brought up Melania. So (laughs) I was thinking about... (laughs) What? Oh, I was just thinking because of the doubles and the fake Melania. Yeah, fake Melania. (laughs) Like, so... It, there's an interview that Kevin Klein did. I didn't pull the audio from this one, but he is asked if he thinks that this has actually ever been done where there's been a double used for a president. And he's like, it's entirely possible, but I'm just, I can't think of it. Like if it would have ever happened, but you know, and he's like mentioning how like rock stars do it all the time, like going into limos and things like that. And it's like Mick Jagger had a double and things like that. And Man, if he was asked that question now, the whole fake Melania thing would have definitely come up. Um, You know, it's who knows, but it's certainly interesting. All the pictures that have gone around where it's like, that does not look like Melania. Oh, yeah. I mean, there were times where they weren't even trying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like 
It was Stephen Miller in a wig. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, I thought that, I mean, I thought of Melania immediately when we started talking about doing Dave. Um, yeah. 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 Um, but Sigourney Weaver is, is wonderful. And this is not, she had not really done a lot of comedy. I mean, other than Ghostbusters right, and Ghostbusters too, where she's yeah. not. She's not there to, you know, she's the gatekeeper. She, she's, she's the gatekeeper. Right. Yeah. Um, and work, working girl where she, where yeah. she's wonderfully funny. Um, yeah. you know, she's just so damn good. And I mean, you can't forget, this is a woman who was nominated, um, for Oscars, like twice in the same year <laughs> in 1980 for 1988 for gorillas in the mist and, and yeah. working girl, mm-hmm. um, you know, Alien and the whole Alien yeah, series. And, it, and she did Alien 3 right before doing this. Like, yeah. Yeah. She had to grow her hair. That's why her hair's short, probably. That's why her hair's uh, short. Yeah. So, um, but she's wonderful. And I love the the vulnerability that she shows in moments and like the scene when, when they go out and they get pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> um, So cute. See your driver's license, sir? Yes, sir. And registration? Um. No, uh, I uh, must have left it at home. Step out of the car, please. Both of us? Yes, both of you, please. Well, Mr. Kovac, you may not be aware, but there is a posted no left turn sign just down the block here. You went right through it. Oh. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh my gosh! Oh, we're we're lookalikes. We don't look like each other, but I mean, I know what you're thinking. We yeah, we, people hire us to impersonate the president and the first lady. We work out of an agency. That's where we met. They sure look like them. Thanks. Well, we work very hard at it. I mean, uh, she got her hair cut to look. It's a perfect match. We just uh, we just played the Saperstein wedding. They loved us. We did we did our uh, we did our club med. Routine where uh, the first lady and the president they go down to Club Med, and there's Bill Mitchell. You know, he's like, at 0700, I want an hour of volleyball, and then at 0830, I want a complete briefing on the whole surf situation, and then uh, the big the, the big finale at uh, at the at the, the talent club. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow. I'm okay. There'll be sun. Just thinking about tomorrow. <laughs> Clears away the cobwebs and the sorrow till there's none tomorrow. tomorrow. I love you tomorrow. It's only a day. Oh, wait, bum bum Tomorrow, tomorrow, we love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. Thank you. Thanks. We haven't worked out the uh, the final uh, harmony. This is a full time job. Uh, yeah, late lately, especially it's been uh, pretty much full time. Well, listen, Mr. Kovic, I'm not going to give you a ticket. You're not. I think you ought to save all the money you have. <laughs> He's not going to give us a ticket. Right. He says we should save all our money. Thank you. Thanks. That's very funny. <laughs> listen, you're very good. Thanks. But she needs a lot of work. Yes, I know. But she's kind of new at it. Now you drive safe, huh? Thank you. Thank you, officer. Thank you very much. 
So a few things come to mind. I you have to wonder if Dave Kovic has like improv experience. Because there's a lot of times when like I mean, especially being the president where something like that would certainly come in handy. And, you know, the way that he acts on his feet during these moments, it just really is amazing. But also this is a scene that was added in, you know, while they were shooting because Ivan Reitman was looking at the dailies and thinking like, wait, it doesn't make sense that they would go back to the White House just after like, you know, going out and eating a sandwich on a, like at a park or whatever, you know, there's, there needs to be something more that kind of connects them. Like a reason why she would want to, at the end, spoiler alert, be with this guy, you know? And then you see her later, like humming tomorrow in bed. And it, it just, the way that it comes back, is so nice. It's such, and that's so surprising to me that, that it wasn't, in the screenplay because first of all it's one of those scenes that to me when i think of that movie that's one of the scenes i think of and it's probably the first scene that comes to mind and i doubt i'm the only one who can say that and it's also such a a turning point and it's such a it's it's kind of a pivotal moment because it does lead it it does provide that backdrop and it really shows like she is falling for him right yeah uh for me there's a few moments that come to mind when i think of this movie i once caught a fish this big when he's got the robotic hydraulic arms that is definitely a big one uh, I, I I have a little story to tell about that one. Just a little um, anecdote that um, anyone who's listening who is a fan of pro wrestling okay. will appreciate. So um, uh, one of the biggest stars in WWE is Randy Orton. And when Randy Orton uh, comes, I don't know if he does it anymore, but for a time he would come out to go to the ring and he would do this pose where he would stretch his arms out like that. So anytime we were watching something, this was like, um, you know, I was with my friends and, and we were watching it when he would come out, I would time it. I would try to time it exactly so that when I saw he was getting ready to do his pose, I'd go, I once caught a fish this big. <laughs> uh, another moment that comes to mind when I think about this movie is a moment when Dave is in, I think, the Oval Office, uh, and he's looking through a scrapbook that he made of himself on covers of magazines, magazines, things like that, and he's with uh, Dwayne, Ving Rames' character, and they have this exchange. Have you ever thought about, like, wearing a sweater or something? Just kind of, you'd blend in more, kind of not stand out. There you are again, coming off the helicopter. Sweaters make my neck look too thick. Really? Like, (laughs) even a sweater vest? You could wear a tie. You think a sweater vest would look good on me? I I think Ving Rhames' character is amazing, and he plays it so well. Uh, I'm so glad you played that, because that's another relationship that you really see yeah. develop. And it, something that I don't know that I had caught as much in the past, it's implied, but the reluctance of a Secret Service agent to become friendly with the president 
Well, and to be friendly with the president, but also just like questioning who he's actually protecting because he's not well, protecting the president. That I think that comes later. I think I think that I I think um you know what what does come in I mean yes he's not protecting the the elected president which <laughs> is yeah I mean and he knows that um but I think there's also like even when Dave's try like being really nice to him and it's just the the two of them like I think it's a scene when they're they're in the the kitchen um and he's yeah. like making a sandwich yeah, and Ving Rames is very stone faced yeah you know, I've always wondered about you guys. The way they say that you'd take a bullet for the president. What about it? Is that really true? I mean, would you let yourself be killed to save his life? Certainly. So that means now you'd get killed for me, too. Yeah, so then he just kind of like doesn't really answer because he's faced with that dilemma of like, wait a second. But then But it's also But it's also what? It's a reality check for Dave too to say yeah. like, oh man, I'm not just like I doing could be a gig. Assassinated. Yeah. Well I, I could be assassinated or somebody else could lose their life protecting me. Right. And I'm just like yeah. a guy who but then, is impersonating uh, yeah, the president. But then at the end when the real Bill Mitchell is being you know wheeled into the hospital and Dave and Dwayne are having their goodbye in the truck, you do have that another really tender moment. Well? Well? You okay getting home? Yeah, it's not far. Take care. Dave? would have taken a bullet for you and then of course we see him one more time at the very 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 end when we see Mm -hmm. that dave is running for city council i think and uh ellen the first the then former first lady uh comes to visit him at the temp agency where his headquarters is and they start making out in the back and the door closes or the blinds close and then out walks Dwayne right in front of the door, uh, which is just such yeah. a nice little cap on it. It's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. Um, brings, brings their relationship, uh, you know, to, to a nice, con- not conclusion, but an, a, a nice place of closure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think that yeah. Ving Rhames is uh, so just wonderful as as Dwayne, the Secret Service guy. So I I just have a, I have a just a a question, John, for you because yeah. we're, you know we're listening to you know Dave is somebody who doesn't necessarily think about running for office, and then it, it, at the end we find him running for office, and Vice President Nance was someone who was not thinking of of running of running for for office. Is that something you would ever like consider doing? You, you know, you're would I run for office? Minded? Yeah, would you run uh, for office? You know, I don't think so. I wouldn't mind working in politics if my, you know, my skill sets aligned with something that was working for a, you know, a 
a city council person, you know, they have all sorts of positions that they need, uh, especially in media. So mm-hmm. that's something that I could see myself doing. Um, but I can't see myself actually running for a public office. How about you? Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Um, you know, I've definitely the last uh, four or five years have um definitely added some fuel to the fire that that right. would push me to get involved and engaged and i do have a history having served as the uh, cranford high school class of 1995 senior class president that is true so Hell to the chief you know, i've got some pedigree there you know um <laughs> uh and you know advocating i think like you know just being uh, being a teacher uh, being a public school teacher has um, given rise to, I think, a lot more of an activist nature in uh-huh. me and like, you know, pushing my students to, you know, advocate um, and to be upstanders. Um, so I, I, I ultimately I don't I don't think that would be uh would be the right place for me. If anything, I, I wouldn't, you know, writing speeches, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess would be, would, would kind of be fun. Um, but yeah, for sure. I, I yeah. think that also it's like you and I, you know, you live in Seattle. I live in Portland. We, we live in, you know, moderate to large cities, you know, very, you know, pretty sizable cities with very robust structure politically and mm-hmm. I think that if we, you know, let's say we were still in our hometown, uh, the uh, the filming location for season three of The Adventures of Pete and Pete, uh, that might be a different story where it's like... Oh, I'd, I'd be ride run for mayor. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, Danny. Easily. All right. If I ever was given a bunch of money to make a documentary and I could do it on whatever I want, I think that I would do it about uh, pets who have become mayor. Because there are like tons of little like small towns where there's like a a golden retriever that's the mayor or like a a kitty cat. So uh, I think that I would do a documentary on that. Um, Or at the very least, a coffee table book. It's a coffee table book. Throw mama from the train. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so depending on how much money i would be given I pets guess. i'd like to no never mind <laughs> Ooh, no, no, no 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 yeah so yeah. Uh, i don't know i find you know politics very interesting i don't think that i find government as interesting as politics yeah <laughs> and I, I you know i think that over the past four or five years like you were saying you know, a lot of people have become much more politically minded and they've had to be. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. we've all had to learn a lot about the ins and outs of what's really going on in Washington, D.C. and how things work and how things have to work. And, um, you know, things that Schoolhouse Rock didn't prepare us for. So... Right. Well, these were things yeah. that you used to be because you'd go to like high school and take a civics class and you would you would learn all that. There's just I think there's so much more 
uh, you know, so many to, to quote the Big Lebowski ins and outs and what have you. What have you? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, there are so many, um, you know, there's so many facets to it. One thing I, I don't think I, I, I really could handle would be a, a, like a lot of the strong, like opposition. Like I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. I'm afraid to say I don't want to say things on Twitter because I don't want like QAnon people <laughs> coming after me. Um, and uh, so I'm like, if I'm gonna like if if I'm gonna post something criticizing, you know, like a, a Marjorie Taylor Green or, or Matt Gates, I don't, I will not tag them. No, or, no, 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 like, no, no, because I don't. I'm like, I don't want all. I don't want to have to deal with all those, you know, people coming at me <laughs> right yeah uh, yeah you know i um i work for the portland art museum and we are an institution that has a very strong bond with our larger community and we do a lot to um help promote social progress and that is one of those things that shouldn't be a partisan issue but People read it a certain way. And, you know, some of the things that I post on our YouTube channel or our social media channels get comments from people who, you know, just take things to an extreme. And we have to do a lot of reporting because it's just not cool what people feel comfortable saying. And uh, we know that it's not, uh, you know, a realistic opposition so that's different and if someone calls us out on something that's real then we certainly want to address it but like some things right. are just like no you are just brainwashed or you know and i i'm right now i'm speaking for myself not as the institution so right yeah that. and but i mean it's tricky like you know they're like serious like death threats being made and yeah you know so anyway i, I let's, let's get let's we're get back going to back Dave to here. we're going back to simpler times 93 let's go <laughs> yeah yeah as far as we knew they were simpler times so y yes 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 um yeah, i mean they i think they were <laughs> i think objectively they they were but um yeah so let's talk about um, for, well, first of all, I should note before we launch into our our ideas, our proposals, that uh, a musical adaptation right. of Dave, I I think was like kind of was Broadway bound, <laughs> um, had premiered in uh, in uh, DC mm -hmm. in 2018. Right. Yeah. Who knows what and could have happened. If uh, yeah. the world didn't, you know, hit pause on pause. Uh, live, yeah. live experiences. But I mean, it had a pretty good in, in its workshopping that Brian Darcy James, uh, big, big name in, in Broadway, uh, was playing Dave, uh, was replaced by Drew Galing. Uh, mm -hmm. Douglas Sills, another big name, uh, was uh, playing Bob Alexander. And uh, I believe it, it got a number of, um, yeah, uh, Helen, it, it won uh, Best best Direction of a Musical for the Helen oh. Hayes Awards, uh, which cool. is for the uh, DC Area Theater, was nominated for 
for a bunch of other awards. And, you know, I mean, who knows? It could end up there again. But yes, there is yeah. uh, Dave and a book, a uh, book, by the way, written by uh, Thomas Meehan and Neil Benjamin, uh, Thomas Meehan, who, um, you know, probably best known as a, um, well, not just the librettist for for Annie, one of the writers on Annie, mm. um, but also like collaborated with uh, with Mel Brooks on that um, makes sense on quite a few projects and uh Nell sorry not Neil Benjamin Nell Benjamin apologies apologize <laughs> um wrote the legally blonde oh, musical okay. and or she really wrote well. the, I think the music for that and wrote the lyrics for the Mean Girls musical Another so one did really well so um, yeah certainly one yeah. that's got some gusto behind it so let's so we'll consider that you know kind of done where else are we going to go with this well before again we move on to uh our own ideas i also want to acknowledge that this is a movie that is mentioned alongside a lot of other movies that have very similar themes um to a lesser extent although it comes up a lot more in a lot of the reviews that i read uh would be mr smith goes to washington um it's uh, a little different, but, you know, certainly, I guess, fits into falls into the same category. But then we have, um, I think that it first was made into a movie in the 30s and then again in the 50s. But Prison, Prisoner of Zenda is um, uh, one of them that is very, it's the same plot, essentially. And then uh, in 1988, we have Richard Dreyfuss and Moon Over Parador. Dan, did you ever see Moon Over Parador? long time ago uh okay. probably around like 1988 1989 okay so i watched it the other night and it's yeah so there are these actors who are shooting a movie in parador which is a portmanteau of paraguay and ecuador the, of this of this fictional country and it is a dictatorship and the dictator meets the actors who are in this movie and he's you know this like kind of jolly drunkard kind of guy and Richard Dreyfuss's character is the you know this actor and he does this impression of him for him and Raul Julia plays the like uh the Bob Alexander type the Bob I guess Alexander, you could say. Yeah, yeah and um when the dictator dies they decide to get uh hiring him is um maybe not exactly accurate because it's kind of like a do this or we'll kill you but we're also going to pay you to do it kind of a situation um and they get richard dreyfus to pose as this dictator and he does it for well over a year and um it's kind of just like the acting role of a lifetime he's posing as this dictator and he you know he's trying to do good and he's trying to like make things better but it's it's got some funny moments in it and Raul Julia is very good in it I think he actually either nominated or won some awards for it but um yeah I Moon Over Parador is definitely very very similar to the the whole idea of Dave um but so anyway moving on to our ideas uh, this one's a tricky one, and this is one where it's like, you know, Dave is one of my favorite movies. I It's easily up in the top 10, maybe top five, and 
to do something like a sequel, I couldn't imagine a prequel. I really couldn't make sense out of the only thing I could think with the sequel would be if like he actually does go into, you know, you know, he gets his role in city council and he works his way up in politics and he maybe is married to the former first lady who's with a guy who looks exactly like her dead husband. Uh, I think that that just opens up a can of worms. If you go any further into that relationship. <laughs> Wait, I, I have a question for you, John, because I really thought that you were going in a direction here earlier when you talked about uh, Dave's improv experience. Were you oh. not imagining a prequel where Dave is, is part of the second city troupe and meets a young Ivan Reitman? <laughs> I, I just don't, I think that what's fun <laughs> about kidding. yeah the, when you if you're going to do something in the Daveverse it's got to involve politics somehow and I think that if you're going to do something about it I I think that there's definitely room for some sort of remake I uh, given the change in the political climate uh it certainly makes things it would certainly change the tone of the movie if you're doing it about a Donald Trump like president. And that is but I'm assuming if, is what's leading into yours. Um, I have a few ideas actually, but one of mine is what if you remade it, but you did it in the past? What if it was Gerald Ford? Okay. What if you did it with Gerald? I'm I was trying I'm trying to think of like, well, like what era would this be good? And you can't really do it with Nixon because Nixon's been done so many times. And like the movie Dick is a great right. comedic satire of with Nixon. It's just been uh, you know, Nixon's kind of done. Or it could be a, a fictional historic president, you know, somebody but, from well, I, I mean, but why? Because you could go, I feel like you could go absurd. And I mean, yeah, doing something like Gerald Ford would be funny. But what if you did like William Henry Harrison? Well, that's what, what I was if- just going to say. Because didn't William Henry Harrison die like right? Like, didn't he get like pneumonia at the inauguration? Like something like I, that? I, 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 was that William, I think it was William Henry Harrison. I think that was um, William Henry Harrison. And I think that that would be funny if it was like somebody tried to pull a Dave, but like they just couldn't do it in time. Like they well, couldn't I get their it, shit together. I I think it would be. But what if I mean, but what if you I mean, like, look, if Quentin Tarantino has taught us nothing else, it's that when you're making movies, you can just change history. Yeah. So um, I, 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 I'm like, why wouldn't you? I mean, it would be funny, you know, like Abraham Lincoln. I wouldn't do it around the no. assassination of Lincoln, but like, you know, what if at some point, like Lincoln's about to give the Gettysburg address, but then it's also like, well, then Ooh. there's the humor of, well, well we need to find someone Dan. really tall. Mm-hmm. Oh, but Dan, 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 you forget about Abraham Lincoln that he was killed by an actor. So what if he actually did die before and the, you know, the the John Wilkes booth of it all was the way to get the the real Lincoln look, Dan. You're looking at me like I'm, I'm saying something I'm disgusting. Ca- I'm I'm I I don't well I because that's why I wouldn't want to 
do this with Abraham Lincoln because I feel like like the Lincoln assassination is really it's one of those you know traumatic moments in our nation's history that I wouldn't I wouldn't want to trivialize that not like I would want to trivialize William Henry Harrison's pneumonia I would be fine with that <laughs> but um or whatever he had but yeah I um I I like that idea. Um, but it's the same reason, like, like I wouldn't do that with Kennedy. Um, well, okay. So like Grover, was Grover Cleveland assassinated? Am I, wasn't there? Um, I don't know. Um, there was one more president who was assassinated. Well, McKinley. McKinley. There's McKinley was shot by, I did the musical assassins in college. Right, right, right. I'm well, well versed on this. Um, yeah. Um, there's William McKinley. Um, I mean, there was oh, an Garfield. attempt on Roosevelt's life. Gar- Garfield. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, who was it? Someone shot McKinley. Um, I think. <laughs> who didn't Did want to shoot? Uh, Leon <laughs> Zolgosh. Leon Jolgosh. Jolgosh. Leon Jolgosh. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. No, yeah. David and Biggie played him in, in our production of Stephen Sondheim's Assassins there you go. In, in college. Um, and yeah, and then it was uh, uh, Giuseppe Zangara who tried to shoot um, Roosevelt. Anyway, you oh, there were assassination attempts on Gerald Ford's life. Um, oh, two, two, in fact. Well, Squeaky Frome, who uh, one of the Manson right. family, yeah. and um, oh, I can't believe I'm I'm blanking on her name. The other uh, the woman who was going to shoot. Uh, Ford, I forget. Um, not important at the moment. But I I think it would be fun. I think it would be I, I think the idea of doing a like a satire or com like this type of comedy set in the 19th century. Um yeah. that that could be kind of interesting. Um yeah, I, I do kind of like that. I mean, I think that Garfield might be a good one. Um yeah. What would you would you do, would you call it Garfield and then in parentheses like not the cat? <laughs> yeah. Uh Tale of One Kitty. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh but so th- that was that was one idea was to remake it but but set it in the past. I do like that. I do like that. Yeah. I I I think that would be and you know who I would too... have do it? Armando Iannucci. Oh yeah. That'd be fun. Definitely. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's, you know, other people that would do it quite well, but, um, I, you know, I think that, I think that because, and it's not to say that the, the position of president of the United States of America, you know, hasn't been huge news for the past 230 years, but I, I think that for, nowadays things like we were saying before the 24-hour news cycle and and especially with our last president everything has become just amplified so much more that doing a movie like this set in these times like i really think that dave could barely have existed any year after it actually was made like things really took a turn yeah 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 um yeah, so uh, that's one idea. That's probably the the like that's that's the one I would go in with. Like if 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 Hollywood called me in, that's what I would pitch. Um, but you also have Dave ending with um, him getting together with the first lady. Yeah, 
And, you know, now times, you know, a, a lot of time has gone by, um, you know, almost 30 years. And what if, you know, you know how all of this like footage just finds its way out? What if somebody has like footage and they're like, I am going to post this online and prove to everyone that you were president, that you I've actually got, stood in. I've got, I've got the best idea. An actual Oliver Stone movie about the Bill Mitchell presidency and the like. So it's a dramatic version of Dave. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, yes. and it, the the main actor in it is like, uh, I mean, I think that Kevin Klein is kind of aged out of it. But like, imagine if it was like Kevin Klein, like de-aged, you know, with CGI uh-huh. to like make himself look like Bill Mitchell and Dave Kovic. And yeah, so it's the like note for note story of Dave, but just told as an Oliver Stone drama. Like as or as a documentary. <laughs> Could be documentary. Yeah. Like an, an Oliver Stone docudrama uh, would Love be, it. would be what would round out the trilogy of JFK, Nixon, and there you go. Yeah. Dave, uh, <laughs> um, COVID, but it would, but it Kovac. would be called, you know, Bill or Mitchell or, yeah. you know, well, and interestingly would bring him back. Yeah. Some IMDB trivia because Oliver Stone directed, um, born on the 4th of July about Ron Kovic. Right. Um, yeah. So hello. No, IMDB um, trivia in quotes, but, um, I, IMDb trivia in quotes, but I am actually pretty certain that that there is something like that in the IMDb trivia. I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. Um. So my other idea is so time goes by, and uh, you know, maybe someone finds footage of him. Maybe Ellen is thinking of writing her memoirs. You know, maybe Ellen decides she's going to run like maybe she's yeah. going to run for office and then it's well what do what do I do I am married to this guy who looks like my dead husband well, and <laughs> and that's the thing also it's like that's why it's dangerous to do a movie or anything else that takes place in this universe after the fact because I, there's got there's no way that there's going to be a former first lady who is you know her her husband, the former president, died. And like you're going to know, you know, like we've we know what Onassis looked like. You know, like we we see what happens with with these former first ladies who end up remarrying. And you're gonna see that this guy looks a hell of a lot like Bill Mitchell. And especially if he's in city council, like it's not like you can keep that a secret. Well, yeah, and that, that that's kind of a loophole that you or that's not a loophole, but it's a loose end that that you'd have to deal with. But I do think that there is. Does he get seconded? <laughs> yes, he goes to and the it's company. Kevin, it's Kevin Costner now. It's Kevin uh, Costner. Oh no. Um. So I I I think that there is some potential in doing. Or what if they don't ultimately end up together? Uh, like, 
it's totally believable that this, yeah. you know, fledgling relationship really wouldn't necessarily last. And what if Ellen Mitchell, is, you know, she, whatever she, maybe she she remarries or doesn't remarry, she becomes, she gets into politics. No, um, I got it. I got it. You so, got it. So I got it. So now Ellen Mitchell has to find an exact lookalike for herself to pose as the former first lady so that she can become this new private citizen who is just in this relationship with this up and coming politician. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I have I I have something close It's called close reverse to that. Dave. Reverse it's Evad. Um <laughs> um uh, so I was I was just thinking about it and I was like, it would be like, cause you've got this. Per so whether you come back to it as Ellen's story and she's got, she's like, I am running for this office or, um, and, um, or, or, or like maybe she want it winds up where she ends up like a, a Cindy McCain mm. who, um, but, and then she's like, um, I need to find like we I need to kind of settle things up with Dave. Um who who I think it's kind of like well what do you do? You just you have this experience and then you go on for the rest of your like 30 years later are you not going to be like well I can write the book I'm like well I can tell now. Yeah. So I I I don't know exactly what the idea is that really works but I do think that there is something there and I, I guess it's just kind of the fanboy in me, but I'm like, I just want an excuse to kind of get a good like Sigourney Weaver, uh, yeah. Kevin Klein movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm just glad that we have this one that we can always come back to because it's, yes. it's perfect. Oh, it holds up. And it, it, I mean, even though like, even though, like you said, this movie really was, uh, you know, came out kind of right at the end of right, right as that window was about to close. It it is also it's a reminder of uh I of like you said, simpler times mm -hmm. and um times when we did have, I guess, higher standards, or I guess where where the American people had higher standards. Yeah. I mean, there's still corrupt like there is corruption in this. Bob Alexander and Bill Mitchell. And Bill Mitchell. Are they're they're the incredibly ones that, Yeah, they were the ones responsible for the savings and loan scandal and bob alexander grade a slime uh grade a slime but i feel like you know when you have someone like when bill clinton tells you know ivan reitman or gary ross that like you know this is a kind of a spot on lampoon of politics yeah i feel like bob alexander is probably one of those characters that's closer to re i mean like look we've just had Bob Alexander, a whole team of Bob Alexanders. Yeah. You know, I mean, we still do. Yeah. I, I just want to play a real quick uh, clip to just show the the true slime. I'm going to kill him. You can't kill a president. He's not a president. He's an ordinary person. I can kill an ordinary person. Bob. I can kill a hundred ordinary people. Bob. He's only doing what you told him to do. What I told them to? I heard you. You said cut $650 million off the federal budget and you can keep your homeless shelter. Well, I didn't mean it, Alan. Why would I want to save a homeless shelter? 
slime. I could shoot someone I in the middle of Fifth, Fifth Avenue. Avenue and get away with it. Yeah. Uh, total slime. And of course, who better to play it than Skeletor, Frank Langella? Oh, my God. And Frank Langella, I, I don't know how old he is now. He's, but he's still got he's it. He's more in. What's oh, that? yeah. He's more insidious in this than in Masters of the Universe. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, but no, he's he's the judge in the Trial of the Chicago Seven, um, which is really uh, a, a well a well made movie. I enjoyed it a lot, and he's the awful judge. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it with Frank Langella performances like this, I it's one of those when I see him on screen, I'm always thinking. He's just an actor. He's just an actor because he's in this movie. He probably feels the opposite way of the way that he's portraying this character in this. And he's just an actor. Like, it's kind of like watching a scary movie where it's like, it's just an actor. It's not really, mm-hmm. you know, Freddy Krueger or whatever. Well, it's just Robert Englund yeah. who's not at all creepy without the makeup. <laughs> not um, at all. Hmm. Um, well, let's also Frank Langella Academy Award nominated for playing Richard Nixon mm-hmm. in Frost Nixon. Yeah. Uh, excellently. So yeah, and like Michael Sheen, yeah, is great in that too. It's uh, that's a really fantastic movie. I like that one a lot. Often forgotten when we when Ron when the the oeuvre of Ron Howard is discussed. Yeah, I feel like Frost Nixon is often left out, and it's it's probably it's I would say one of his. Uh, you know, I mean. It's hard to say what what what's the best Ron Howard movie, but I would say Frost Nixon in, in terms of like in terms of the Ron Howard Oscar movies, like Apollo the 13. Beautiful Minds and Apollo Thirteens. I think it I think it's probably Apollo Thirteen. Apollo Thirteen, but I would say Frost Nixon close second. It's it's solid. Yeah. I think that I haven't seen it in a while. I think but. that the way that Apollo thirteen kind of changed it didn't really change cinema but it really you know sent a bit of a shockwave in in movies i think so apollo 13 i I think it was i mean apollo 13 was just a like incredibly well-made hollywood like real life i think that when you're talking about and we've talked about this in other episodes but you know the the quotes that have come out of that movie the way that people have just become so tied to characters in that movie Whereas uh, Frost Nixon, you don't have that really. I, I, and that's not to say that that's what makes a great movie. I'm just thinking like what really. Fro- be- Frost Nixon is more of like Ron Howard's art house film. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're talking about uh, funky Nixon movies, uh, what's the one? Elvis and Nixon with uh, Michael Shannon as Elvis. Oh, my goodness. There's so many different Elvis and Nixon movies. But the one I'm um, thinking of is the Michael Shannon one because you get Michael Shannon as Elvis. Oh, what a treat. The, yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> ab- absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but Dave is a, a fantastic movie and totally uh, worth any. Also, I, oh, I mentioned uh, Dick already. Um, yeah. The. But that's another one that, uh, in terms of presidential satires, like to do a double feature with that and all the president's men well, would be so much fun. Yeah. I mean, I did, I recently did a double feature with all the president's men and then, um, and then the paper, not the paper, sorry, the post. The post. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, pretty much one leads right into the next. 
Well, yeah, the post is yeah. I yeah. think uh, we had, the post is is Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue to, One uh, to a New Hope. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, and that's a that's a great combo, I think. Um, and, and while we're on the subject of you know movies that exist kind of in the same families, I, uh, you know, Dave was you know I was it the first in the set of like the '90s wave of president movies. I feel like like these kind of I wouldn't necessarily call this a romantic comedy, but like those uh. light-hearted. President movies like the American, like the American, American president. president, yeah, and uh, uh, my fellow Americans, um, yeah, and I just wanted to quickly mention uh, on the subject of my fellow Americans that they have the the tie with this one with uh, the oh. president giving lyrics to uh, "Hail to the Chief." So I'm just gonna play uh, a quick little uh, scene from Dave, and then another one from. Uh, um, my fellow, my Americans. fellow Americans. That's what it was. Wonderful. Hail to the chief, he's the one we all say hail to. We all say hail because he keeps himself so clean. He's got the power. That's why he's in the shower. Hail to the chief, he's the chief and he needs hailing. He is the chief, so everybody hail like crazy. Hail to that's more or less. Hail to the chief, if you don't, I'll have to kill you. I am the chief, so you better watch your step, you bastards. Right, so that's Jack Lemon and then uh, James Garner. I, I have to give it to James Garner on... <laughs> on that one it, you it, if if we're having yeah i think yeah uh, um <laughs> it's fine if you don't i'm gonna kill you yeah. <laughs> uh all right yeah the the dave one's great he's in the shower he's singing about being in the shower to the hell to the yeah. chief. i've got the power that's why you're in the yeah shower. and that that's of course followed up by the wonderful moment where uh ellen makes him turn around and you can tell that she's about to call him a prick because she's looking at his wang, but instead calls him a bastard. But you know that she's going to say that she wants to say prick. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's why Sigourney Weaver gets Oscar nominations. <laughs> that's damn right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to be doing on our next fictional president movie run of episodes? Okay. Uh, oh, the the whole run. <laughs> oh, the, well, just the, the next uh, one. Okay, so um, our next movie also is is also from the from the nineties, yeah. and uh, but this time our our president is. I'm sorry, I'm like looking for the name because I wanted to introduce him uh, by name, but uh, in in this movie that we'll be talking about next week. Our president is not Bill Mitchell or Dave Kovac. That is President James Marshall, in, played by Harrison Ford in Air Force One. Get off my plane. Get off my plane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am really looking forward to it. We got Gary Oldman, Glenn Close. Glenn, Cl Glenn, Glenn Close is the VP, right? Yeah. Glenn Close is the VP. Yeah. Uh, absolutely really really William excited H. William H. Macy yeah yeah so uh great uh, that's gonna be fun. that's gonna be awesome uh, I'm yeah. really excited about it 
yeah, looking forward to talking about it. And um, that that's all I have to say about that, man. Well, yeah, Dan, while you're uh, making illegal left turns, I wish you a good journey. Good journey.